Jesus walks into a bar with his disciples, goes up to the bartender and says, 13 glasses of water, please, then winks at the disciples. Get it? You know, he's going to turn the glasses of water into wine, and he winks at the disciples as if to say, watch what I'm going to do. Whew, tough crowd. All right, how about this one? <laughs> Jesus walks into a bar and immediate, with his disciples, and immediately the bartender says, hey, man, close the door. Were you born in a barn or something? Well, I... You know, to be truthful, I'm not telling those jokes to get a laugh. I'm actually using that, these jokes to show you. Whenever you use a walk into, you know, some guy walks into a bar joke, you often notice it's, it's in the present tense, right? And there's a reason for this. It's a literary trick for the joke teller to get you into the action, to, to bring you into the place where this person walks into the wherever. And I bet you never thought the Bible was written like this, but it is. Mainly in the four Gospels of the Greek New Testament. It's everywhere in Mark, and it's how our text today was originally heard. And he goes into his home area, and the disciples follow him. You know, it's as if Mark is pulling you off to the side to tell you this thing about Jesus. And he wants to bring you into the action. It's, always, it's not always easy for us to hear about Jesus in this way because for centuries, people have been hearing about what Jesus has done in the past tense. You know, you're not going to find a, a single Bible in the English translation which, which has Matthew's, Mark's, Luke's, or John's words in their original present tense. It's unfortunate, but... I want us all today to be in that little town of Nazareth, up in the rocky hill country above the Sea of Galilee, and, and see Jesus walk into town with his disciples. Oh, wouldn't that be so nice to be there when Jesus walks in and to greet him? Not so fast. We think if we had seen and heard Jesus in Judea all those days ago, we would have faithfully believed him and followed him. But the sad truth is that most people who saw and heard Jesus in those days rejected him. And when it comes to his hometown, apparently familiarity leads to unbelief. The initial report here in Mark sounds encouraging. Many, as they were listening, were amazed, saying, from where do these things come to this man? But this promising response takes a turn. This is the carpenter, isn't it? The son of Mary and the brother of James, Jacob, Joseph, and Judas, and Simon. And his sisters are here by us, aren't they? And they began to be morally offended by him. Morally offended by Jesus. His neighbors Many of them are like family to him. Can you imagine? Well, it's not hard to imagine what might have been so offensive about Jesus because we know what offends people about him today, don't we? People are morally offended by Jesus when he lumps sexually immoral people in with murderers and thieves. People are morally offended by Jesus when he talks of marriage between 
one spouse of the opposite gender. Now, you may remember one public comment when a lawmaker in Salem, in response to a hearing concerning the biblical definition of marriage, said the biblical take on marriage is repugnant. You know, which means disgusting, revolting, offensive. You know, you get the picture. And among other things, Jesus is morally offensive to people when he says he is the door to heaven. No one comes to the Father except through him. Yeah, these are modern issues, though. These aren't the things the fine citizens of Nazareth are offended about. And so Jesus gives us a clue as to what this rejection is all about. He quotes a popular proverb of the day. A prophet is not without honor except in his home area and among his relatives and in his house. Like everything else in those days, honor was a limited good. If someone gained something, that meant someone else lost something. To be recognized in his hometown for his miracles and prophetic words meant that, that honor due to other people and other families in, in Nazareth was diminished. Sounds like jealousy or envy, doesn't it? But look at what really counted in Judean society in those days. You know, family of origin meant everything. And then there was social status and achievement of family members. You know, group reputation and honor. Things like that. So the people begin to cut Jesus down to size with their remarks. Oh, this is the carpenter, isn't it? You know, in asking this snarky, sarcastic question, the people aren't positively amazed at his teaching. They're actually questioning it. You see, woodworkers and, and handymen in those days, well, there was a lot of competition in town, right? So there wasn't always enough work in your village to keep you going. So you'd have to leave your family behind and find work in, in other towns, you know, leaving them vulnerable to thieves and kidnappers, what have you. So it wasn't seen as a noble thing to go elsewhere and find work. It was seen as shameful. So here's Jesus, the familiar and known carpenter of Nazareth. He's left his family in Nazareth to go out and prophesy and heal the sick, and he comes back to town having done and said all these marvelous things that have been reported throughout all Judea, and the people are like, yeah, we know this guy. And we've heard about all these great things he's done. What, what's his angle? What's he trying to do? You know, we're less than this carpenter now. Let's put him back in his rightful place. So here's the result. Jesus was actually not able to do any miracle there. Except by putting his hands on a few sick people, he healed them. And he marveled on account of their unbelief. Yeah, he could have done anything he wanted, right? He didn't lack any power or ability. But the people's unbelief. You know, Jesus' response was in kind to the amount of unbelief. Like, okay, you're all so hard-hearted against me. I'll just heal a few sick people here and I'll be on my way. 
This, along with Jesus' untactful words to the people concerning prophets in their hometown, is something Mark really wishes to emphasize to you. Jesus is God. He has all the authority and power over creation that the Father has because he, he and the Father are one, right? At the same time, He's human. And His human responses to people are odd, but at the same time, it's something we might expect ourselves to do. Our patience runs thin. We lose our sense of tact with each other. Jesus is very much our brother here in this text, as well as our Lord and Master. But here's the thing. Jesus doesn't abandon his ministry after this disappointing visit to his hometown. He moves on. And bigger and better things happen. We can, however, look at this, mini ver- at this as a mini version of what will happen to him in Jerusalem. You know, he's going to be rejected by a much bigger crowd. This Nazareth visit is a foreshadowing of much bigger things to come. Yet, this is what he had to do. You know, Jesus didn't live and, and do things to gain honor from men and women. By human standards, he should have been greatly honored by all in Israel. But he was not. He was rejected. The honor he sought was from his Father in heaven. He did everything to give honor and glory to the Father. Well, if this was just between the two of them then, then what does this all mean for us? Well, there's plenty of rejection and unbelief in the world today on account of who Jesus is and what he says, as we have already seen. You know, yet we don't give up either in spreading his ministry in our home area. We're here to be a light in the community. God's ministry here is public. You know, it's for everyone. And because not everyone comes in here to hear what God has done for all, we take the message of forgiveness and life to people that the Holy Spirit has placed in our lives in whatever we're doing and wherever we are. Now, what about this shaking off the dust of your feet? Jesus says to his disciples, Whenever you enter into a house, remain there until you go out from there. And whatever place does not receive you or listen to you, as you go out from there, shake off the dust that's under your feet as a witness to them. You know, for a long time, I used to think that this was a way of saying, okay, move on, shake the dust off your feet, move on. But in those days, when you shook the dust off your feet, it was a statement that you were unwilling to be touched by what others touched. Jews returning to Israel from other countries would shake the dust off their feet when they got back into, Israel, uh, into their land as a way of saying, I've been in unclean territory and I'm getting the spiritual dirt off of, from these places off of me. Jesus tells his disciples to do this. And it serves as a warning to those who rejected the message. Shaking the dust off your feet is saying, you have rejected our preaching, therefore you and all that's yours are without the reign and rule of God, and we will not be associated with that. 
That's a pretty strong message, isn't it? Do we practice this today as disciples? Do we listen to and associate ourselves with those who reject the apostolic preaching of the New Testament? Aside from church, consider the organizations you associate yourself with or people you associate yourself with, whether they be government or community leaders, you know, celebrities, social media activists who you support. Bring to them the teaching of the apostles, which is the message from God that Jesus came to save people from sin and death. And if they reject it, do not associate yourself with them. Someone said to me recently, if you believe in God, you should probably listen to him and do what he says. Yeah, seems reasonable, doesn't it? You know, there's always the reason, though, oh, well, I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, here's something. Shake the dust off your feet as a warning to those who reject your preaching. This is not an easy thing to do. Neither are the things Jesus tells his disciples to do, such as throw out demons, <laughs> anoint people with oil and heal them. You know, I mean, some of these things are set aside in the church now for some pe certain people to do, like pastors and deacons and elders. But every one of us bears the fruit of faith given us by the Holy Spirit. Every one of us are given the words to speak to people at the right time who need to hear of Jesus. Even with all the rejection around, God doesn't fail. He opens hearts and opens doors to people who will receive his preaching and his ministry to heal the spiritually sick and give them life forever. Jesus walks into his hometown with his, with his disciples and suffers rejection at the hands of those who know him. Also, he could teach his followers to shake the dust off their feet, continue their preaching so people unfamiliar to him, like us, would hear, believe, be saved, and follow. May it be so for you. And may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.